Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. Got a bit of a random episode because it's this law has just come up and it's a bit of an emergency. So I want to quickly run through what the implications are um, for wildlife and native species and stuff that could be threatened by this uh, new piece of legislation. And to help me go through some of the issues today is uh, Steve Allen. Um, Steve is a um, specialist in, is it snakes or is it like just reptiles in, in general? So, so it's reptiles and amphibians in general, yes, but I'm mm. studying snakes for my PhD. So technically, either is correct. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you for having okay. me on. No, thank you. No, thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you want to introduce yourself and um, like say a bit about yourself or. Sure, sure. So, yeah, uh, I'm studying my PhD at the University of Kent and I'm looking at the population dynamics of grass snakes uh, and the effects of disease. Mm. But prior to that, I've been involved with a number of projects up and down the country and, and elsewhere uh, around the world, uh, mm. looking mm. at amphibians and reptiles and population dynamics and, you know, all, all sorts of bits and pieces. Uh, mm. and, and yeah, uh, that's basically what I do. I eat, sleep uh and breathe herpetology, uh, which is the uh, science of reptiles and amphibians. Uh, and yeah, if you uh, know me, then yeah, you know that I'm obsessed. Uh, so yeah, uh, th- that's me. Okay. Yeah. So, so sort of first of all, I wondered whether you could tell me what the current legislation is in this country. Like, what is the law as it stands like right now at the moment uh, uh, okay. on endangered species? So uh, at the moment, a number of species uh, have protection under the 1981 Wildlife and Countryside Act, and the animals mm-hmm. are protected under Schedule 5 of that act. Uh, there are, mm-hmm. of course, other species which are protected by European uh, protected species licensing, such as the Habitats Directive, etc. Uh, mm-hmm. Although with Brexit and everything, it's not entirely sure... Well, it has, it, it's not exactly clear what's going to be happening with those species, but it seems in most cases that the government's going to translate those protections mm. into our own uh, legislation mm. with the upcoming uh, Environment Bill. But in terms of mm. the species uh, on the 81 Wildlife and Countryside Act, is that every five years the JNCC, uh, which is the mm. organisation that advises the government on this, and that's the Joint Nature uh, Conservancy Committee, they undertake mm. this review every five years to see whether or not uh, species should still be listed on on that, uh, uh, you know, with, with protection. And unfortunately, for whatever reason or not, they have decided that species listed under Schedule 5 and plants listed under Schedule 8 uh, will uh, lose protection uh, based on a changing criteria in, mm, mm. in what in how they are classified as uh, being listed as endangered or, or not, which uh, yeah ha- means that some species will lose the protections. So at the moment, some species have full protection, i.e., it's yeah. legal to to harm them, to disturb them, to kill them, uh, and to sell them. Uh, and other yeah, species, yeah. you know, only have part protection where only the sale of them uh is is uh illegal but yeah with, with a number of these species they will 
lose any of the protection under that that legislation unless they are listed as uh, endangered or critically endangered within mm. the UK or they are covered by European protective species legislation. Uh, mm. And at the moment, I, I think that, you know, there's 350 odd species uh, of uh, animals and plants listed on the Wildlife and Countryside Act and potentially 300 or more uh, could lose their their protection. Uh, and I'm sure many uh, of the listeners have seen that a number of conservation organisations have mm. uh, have produced a letter uh, to to voice their concerns uh, because you know there are a mm. number of species in decline in the UK that this will affect. And the, the, the main yeah. issue we, the, the main issue we have is that. A number of the species in decline here are doing fine on, in continental Europe. So in terms of the yeah. global IUCN red listing criteria, which is the one that the JNCC wants to move towards, uh, at the global level, those species are least concerned or near threatened or vulnerable, which means that they, they won't get the same level of protection as if they were endangered under these new proposals. But at a more regional scale, those species are in serious decline, such as common toads and hedgehogs. Obviously, being an island nation, these species can't naturally recolonize from continental Europe. Uh, and yeah, that's where some of the issues lie in that a number of these species haven't really had any regional red list assessments completed for them. Uh, I, I know that the Mammal Society spent some time redlisting the mammals, so, so they're okay. Uh, but it's a whole yeah. host of other taxa which uh, are currently at threat of losing uh, certain levels of, of protection. Okay, yeah, because no, I mean, the, I know the like sort of posts um, post Brexit. I mean, when I was when I was like, sort of into the um, like information from the ARG which is the amphibian and reptile group it said something about the European protections and I was quite surprised because I thought that the according to the government anyway the European law doesn't apply or maybe maybe it does apply but only in certain settings I don't know it's it's one of those things that I think that at the moment there aren't any concrete answers and there's so much confusion mm. about this obviously at the moment what we're talking about is only a recommendation and it won't really be you know brought into law until you know the end of the year but you know there's still time to voice your concerns mm. you know to be able to make it known to your mp to the jncc to whoever that you know this is a very bad idea uh yeah and you know the, the most worrying thing is is that you know there aren't really any any safeguards in place and you know th that could have dire consequences for a lot of these species that are already in decline and it would mean that when development takes place you know these species no longer have to be taken in into consideration you know unless you know the, the the remaining protective species are present you know pieces of you know whole parcels of land can just be bulldozed and turned into housing or shopping complexes or or whatever uh and you know <laughs> as a nation with our wildlife in such a dire state already you know it, it's only going to make things worse yeah which isn't something that, that i would ever you know say but you know unfortunately it is uh and yeah you know it's not just 
the vertebrates and the, and the plants that are going to uh, yeah, yeah. suffer from this. You know, the whole host of insects that are listed under the Wildlife and Countryside Act. So, so most butterflies are protected uh, by cell only, but some species such as the large blue, the heath fritillary, the swallowtail, uh, and the high brown fertility have, you know, full protection under the uh, 81 Wildlife and Countryside Act. There's a small number of moths there as well. And, you know, some beetles, uh, mm. a couple of crickets, a couple of dragonflies, some spiders, such as a ladybird spider and the fenraf spider. Uh, and, you know, OK, so some of those other species are also going to be protected by the IUCN classifications because they you know they are you know uh, pretty you know pretty endangered or European protected species but for a lot of them mm. they will lose those protections if these recommendations go ahead uh, which I think you know is a huge worry in the minds of lots of conservation organizations because yeah it, it basically means that people can go out once again can persecute you know those animals such as, you know, pine martins and, and, you know, and adders and stuff. And, and yeah, all of the hard work that has been, has been put in to try to prevent the extinction since the 1981 Countryside Act mm-hmm. and the updates mm-hmm. in, in the late 80s, early 90s, would, you know, would be undone. Mm-hmm. And it could potentially become a free-for-all where, where no one really has to care for nature in the sense that you know they can just bulldoze any bit of land down after take it into you know any sort of consideration of how they they manage that landscape to ensure that there's a minimal impact on the species that are there to begin with um so does that mean that like say for example if someone wants to build a like housing load of luxury apartments and they find a great crested newt does that mean that they would um they could just do it like they wouldn't have to um like take into consideration any of the wildlife they could just do what they so, wanted with the great Chris you that they would still have to take those into consideration they're still going to be protected by european mm. legislation but if you found mm. any of the other widespread reptiles and amphibians so common frogs common toads mm. uh, smooth newts palmate newts and then the reptiles the slow worm the common lizard the the grass snake and the adder if you found any of those there by law at the moment when it comes to the reptiles they have to be you know safely removed from that environment uh you know by an ecological consultant that will come along do some surveys you know catch all the animals they can if you get the permission to build on the land and then translocate them to a suitable receptor site if this proposal goes ahead then there's no longer that requirement and so the habitat can just be wrecked and those animals you know will subsequently you know unfortunately be destroyed along with it with the amphibians unless it's a natural toad or a great crescent you find the habitat can just be bulldozed anyway which is a shame uh, which is one of the reasons why ponds are becoming a much rarer habitat feature in the landscape you know especially over the, over recent years uh, which is is a you know a crying shame because i remember spending lots of time around ponds as a kid and you know thoroughly enjoyed it yes. it's one of the reasons why yeah. you know I, i'm in the line of work i am now so yeah, for, for the most part, if you you know if you find a species that at the moment is protected by the Wildlife and Countryside Act, if these protections are lost, then or removed, I should say, then uh, yeah, there's no need to to consider that in any future development unless they're listed uh, as critically endangered or endangered on the national red listing, 
or they're a European protected species. The, the, the one thing that, that I can't get my head around is that, you know, there are lots of people out there that work in the ecology sector, which are going to be affected by this. You know, the, their, you know, their livelihoods are based around surveying potential sites for, for you know, for, for, for bats, for reptiles, for amphibians, for all sorts of bits and pieces. And if you reduce the number of species that they need to survey for, then you're going to, you know, reduce the number of jobs out there. And, and you know, it's just going to it's going to have a whole knock on effect of things that, that I don't yeah. think that, the, the, you know, the JNCC has looked into thoroughly yet. But, yeah, of course, there's going to be, you know, a whole cascade of effects anyway. But, you know, that's, that's one of the ones that I don't feel enough attention has been paid to. Uh, you know, there's bound to be more out there that I've even, you know, contemplated yet. But uh, Actually, like, with, with COVID and, like, so many people have lost their jobs. Oh, yeah. They sort of say, like... So uh, just to reiterate, it isn't the government at the moment that's proposing this. It, it, it's the JNCC who advised the government. Uh, but at the moment, the, the, their justification isn't there. I, I, I haven't been able to see any justification. And, you know, the the information they have about this is very slim and very scant. I think that, that you know, that they've come up to their quinquennial review, which is the, the, the review they have every five years. and this has potentially, you know, been something that, that, that that's, you know, been in the works for a while. Uh, you, you know, I don't want to make this this too political, but with, with, with everything that, that's been happening with Brexit, you know, who knows, you know, if this was going to happen anyway or, to, you know, the, the, the chance has just been taken now. It's hard to say. But, you know, the cynic in me thinks that, you know, the, the, the two are linked. And, yeah, who, who knows? where this is going to go hopefully with, with you know the, with the amount of, of uproar that this has created within a number of conservation organizations and, and you know members of the public things will be reduced if the proposals do go ahead or completely completely abolished because yeah despite the fact that a number of these species are listed on this 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 piece of legislation to protect them their populations are worse off now than they were back in 1981 and so there's an even stronger argument for protecting them uh, you know, in, in the case of, of common toads, mm. a piece of research published in 2016 showed that in the prior 30 years to that, common toads had, had declined by 68%. And some research published at the yeah. beginning of, of, of 2019, was it 2019? I, I, I can't remember now because the past few years have all blurred into one with the pandemic and everything. I'm pretty sure it was the start of 2019, showed that 90% of adult populations are declining. I'm sure there were other pieces of research out there that focus on other taxa. Uh, unfortunately, reptiles and amphibians are my specialty, so those are the ones yeah. that I'm up to date yeah. with. But you know, you know, there's evidence there to suggest that this is this proposal is the complete opposite to what we should be doing. You know, we should be trying to yeah. strengthen and tighten up these these laws mm-hmm. and giving animals more protection, as opposed to removing them and allowing you know all of this potential exploitation. Okay, something I 
was curious about as I was reading the like proposals like this uh is it the the um the Jane VCC like who actually are they like how does the board work and currently like who is on it like what are their credentials to to like decide these things like decide what is their sort of I don't know like could you explain a little bit more to me about like who they are basically and what what it is Sure. So I'm not entirely sure who is on their board and, uh, you know, what credentials they have, but I can only assume that they are people that, you know, have worked or at least work within conservation. Yeah. yeah. In the UK. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, they've been a, a, uh, an organization for over 30 years now, I think they are, you know, uh, the, the, the crazy thing is, is that a lot of their previous work has, you know, been quietly, uh, you know, quite highly uh, cited, sorry, and, and sought after. Yeah. Uh, back in, pardon me, back in the uh, in the late nineties, you know, did they produce a number of guides uh, for yeah. surveying for, you know, for reptiles and amphibians and bats and everything else, and and you know, it, it's it's weird to see, you know, a group like that that are trying to promote sustainable development in marine protected areas and you know trying to yeah. you know get sustainable conservation of the ground and you know combat climate change and stuff just come out with this radical change to to the criteria of species listed yeah. on the 1981 wildlife and countryside act due to its you know it, it's complications that could be caused that then undo all of the hard work that it's currently doing and has done in the past you know it, it's almost like they're shooting themselves in the foot but yeah it, 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 it's one of those things that unfortunately i haven't had the time myself to look into uh you know yeah. who exactly is in the senior leadership roles of uh yeah uh, you know of the jncc but i suspect that given their prestige uh that you know they are uh you know highly respected and experienced you know researchers in all sorts of fields of conservation but also uh economics and politics as well which obviously you know feed into conservation as well yeah Yeah. okay yeah i mean the other thing is i wondered whether the these proposals have got any kind of like safeguards to stop any any like kind of abuse from occurring because as I was reading the um the explanation of it there was like something which seemed to me like quite alarming saying that you know now that the breeding restrictions on breeding these these species will be relaxed and of course if you know like anything about conservation or or like sort of anything to do with with wildlife you kind of know that's not a good idea like are there does it does it just say that it, that it's allowed or like you know are there is there any kind of like caveats to it like on what you're allowed to do because that it just seems to me it just seems completely very like very alarming basically no 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 i i agree it is very alarming and as i've previously said unfortunately the details are very scant at this moment in time and it almost mm, mm. you know seems like they're trying to keep them oh. scant until they can you know pass things off uh you know whether that's intentional or not i don't know 
but yeah it's it's worrying and upsetting you know given you know the role that the gncc has had in you know protecting our wildlife for so long that you know that this you know this potential change could undo so much of that so i hope that as the the you know the period of uh of comment and review and uh everything else progresses that you know they start to reconsider you know this change or you know things become a little bit more transparent but at the moment you know those things are you know lacking from from a lot of stuff you know unfortunately i think there's only been one blog post from the jncc and the package they put together about this whole thing and yeah the details in there are very very small and it's upsetting you know personally you know and also you know professionally to 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 see this change the potential for this change to happen and think of the consequences that that could come up you know uh which again is why i think so many people have been sparked into action and you know almost of a you know a a call of arms uh to try to prevent these changes happening because otherwise you know everybody's hard work can instantly become undone and a lot of these species that we know and love and are struggling in, in the countryside could disappear forever mm. you know within the next decade or two you know yeah. and, and then that, <laughs> some of those are already on that trajectory without this change uh, in yeah. legislation so they're going to go you know even faster potentially uh, yeah it just seems you know when you hear about because i think it said about about how like you know you you can just be able to like trade and breed these these things and it's just like that never ends in a, in a good outcome like I don't, I don't know like it's just it just seems very uh counterintuitive like should we say i was wondering as well like so i knew someone a couple of years ago who was a um like a surveyor for like national rail and she said that basically in general like invertebrates don't usually have that much protection is that true like do they is there any protection for invertebrates or is it is it just like have things changed at all no 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 there are protections for mm-hmm. insects you know i've already mentioned the butterflies but you know some yeah. butterflies and damselflies are protected stag beetles a couple of of, mm-hmm. of uh, water beetles are uh mm. and some mm. other species i think the issue is is that when it comes to insects mm. is that there's just you know so many of them that it's hard mm. to uh to protect them all and to distinguish some of them from more common mm. species yeah uh, of course yeah. which makes everything a lot harder you know thankfully when it comes to to the vertebrates that are protected mm. you know they tend to be more easy easy to distinguish. Yeah. But if people yeah. still, you know, confuse grass snakes for adders and, you know, frogs for toads, mm-hmm. etc. Uh mm-hmm. but but yeah, uh there are some species that are protected under the Wildlife and Countryside Act, mm-hmm. but you know, it is a tiny fraction of the number of species of invertebrates out there. Uh mm, and yeah. it, it, in my mind, you know, more should be listed. Uh but mm. Yeah, I guess it's it's one of those those things, and and I think that you know the, the biggest issue is is that when it comes to this potential change in in the legislation, you know, in in only mm. regarding species that are endangered or critically endangered, 
as you know deserving of protection you know it, if you get down to a gene pool you know of a species that's critically endangered you know you may not have enough genetic diversity there to help recover the species uh yeah. so yeah. you know if that's an endemic species that's only found here uh, of which you know they well there's only a, only a few of them really but you know you know then that species may be lost forever but you know mm. the, the, if that isn't the case then it's gonna you know cost a, a large amount of money to try to reintroduce those species from the continent mm. Mm. as was done uh with the large blue uh and the pool frogs uh yeah. Yeah. and you know yeah I, I i think that you know in terms of of cost saving measures you know that, that you know that should be another argument here in terms of protecting the species and stuff because yes some of these species may not be in you know dire straits now but you know in in within the next five years that could all change you know by the time mm-hmm. you know there's the next quinquennial review and you know the gncc looks yeah. at this you know some of those species could have you know dropped off the map forever uh yeah and then you know you didn't have to invest huge amounts of money whether it's the government or conservation organizations or researchers or whoever in trying to re-establish those species and hope that it works now that they've been given the protection when you know you, you could have protected them in the first place and you know prevented that entire you know scenario from playing out uh yeah so yeah it, it, it's very complex and i think a lot of this needs mm. you know mm. a lot more thorough thought uh yeah yeah but yeah I th- uh i think like you know with the um i mean it's kind of weird how they're defining like imminent risks of extinction like i find that like a little bit confusing because like if you look at for example something like skylarks which used to be like an extremely common bird and now they're still common in like certain areas but they've declined a lot and you know you might not in like absolute numbers you might think they're not at risk of extinction but of course when you look at the the drop that's happened like maybe they are in terms of the percentage that their numbers have dropped by um i mean i don't know how they're defining imminent risk of extinction because that seems a very subjective term Really, I don't know. So, so, so in terms of the risk of extinction, they're going to mm. be using the IUCN mm. regional red list or global red list categories yeah. of yeah. endangered or critically endangered. And yeah. something yeah. I mentioned towards the beginning beginning of this this podcast is the fact mm. that most of the species in the UK have not had a regional red list assessment, you know, carried out for them. No, no, of course they not. Haven't, yeah, they haven't even uh, been assessed, so you, know, you don't know if they're at risk of it or not. No, no, you know, <laughs> most of them have had, you know, the, uh, you know, the global assessment completed, yeah, but not yeah. the regional one. And it is going to be a huge amount of work to, you know, to be able to try to red list all of those species at the regional scale. You know, yeah, you know, you know, even if, you know. Uh, you know, we take this potential change in, in the legislation out mm. of, you know, out of focus for a minute. And, you know, just look at how many species are out there and how long it takes to, you know, to assess them. You know, they've got to gather lots of data, model their distribution, yeah. look yeah. at trends over time. 
you know, a number of species, unfortunately, you know, you don't have enough data to be able to, uh, to give a definite as to whether or not, you know, they, they are, you know, stable or declining or increasing or, or, or that sort of stuff. Uh, and, yeah. and so, you know, unfortunately, a lot of them will be listed as data deficient and as something that, that, that you know, ha- has been demonstrated, you know, with, with amphibian conservation globally, is that a number of those data deficient species tend to go extinct because, you know, th- they were endangered or critically endangered, but we just didn't know enough about them to be able to, to, to you know, pin it down and say so. Uh, and yeah. I fear the same will be true for a lot of species mm-hmm. uh, here in the UK, particularly when it comes to things like invertebrates, you know, which mm-hmm. aren't really monitored mm-hmm. all that much. Yes, you have a few different conservation organisations out there, you know, mm-hmm. routinely monitoring some of these species and, and you know, have the help of, of you know, uh, citizen scientists for such as, you know, butterfly yeah. counts for butterfly conservation and, and you know, bumblebees mm-hmm. and, and, and stuff like that. But, you know, aside from those those few core groups, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, a lot of the species could be, you know, could be threatened, you know, particularly charismatic ones. Uh, mm. And I think that those are the ones that are most likely, you know, to feel the brunt of this uh, and unfortunately mm. could be lost from our landscapes for, you know, for a very long time. Uh mm. And, you know, yeah, this is extremely troubling, particularly given, you know, how much the government is promoting rewilding and everything else at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah. yeah, and then this comes along and it's kind of like a slap in the face. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because the government seems to like, you know, I don't know if it's the government itself, but like, you know, a lot of a lot of councils of doing are really doing quite a lot better like with no Momay and, and things like that and now like this has come along it just seems very kind of like very very kind of um a different direction to some of the other things that they that they've talked about um also wondered like you know there's a lot of proposals at the moment like for example stricter laws on trespassing and like especially in the southeast of of England like a lot of proposals about the planning legislation and I just wondered if that kind of like basically where that kind of fits in at all I mean you said that it wasn't the government that's proposed these laws that it's a that's the JNVCC um but I just wondered like how will some of the other proposals like affect like endangered species and, and and that like with the planning legislation Sure, sure. So, 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 so for endangered species, as long as they have a regional redness assessment or, you know, mm. they're European protected mm. species, you know, th- th- they will still have their protection. It's the other species that, yeah. that w- w- will be, yeah, you know, yeah. the, you know yeah. that would, would lose that protection. It could be completely, you know, completely kiboshed. So, you know, in my mind, this will help to speed up, you know, developments, you know, uh, you know, and, conversion of of green belts into housing estates and schools mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. hospitals and everything else i'm not saying that you know that those yeah those, those sorts of buildings aren't needed but obviously yeah, you know, they there are, are yeah. you know there there are ways that you know we have to build them constructively and you know 
in a thoughtful manner for the environment. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just go around bulldozing all of the green spaces because, you know, I, I'm sure most people discovered how, you know, how important they are for, for you know, the mental health given, you know, all of the recent lockdowns given we've lockdown. had with, yeah. with, with, yeah. with the pandemic. Yeah, yeah I, I can, you know, I can foresee a mental health crisis, you know, on the horizon because of that. Uh, and particularly, you know, with, with, you know, groups of people that could, you know, that couldn't access green spaces or didn't have access to them. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. you know, we're not a species that's meant to be limited by, you know, concrete and, you know, cement. Exactly. You know, we're exactly. meant to be, you know, yeah. immersed in nature. You know, we're a part of nature as much as people think that humanity is broken free from nature. You know, we we, ha- we depend on it now more than we have at any other time in our history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't seem to realise that it's, you know, it's quite infuriating. But, yeah, of course. you know, I think that by speeding up planning uh, and by disregarding, you know, a number of species that, that you know, it could potentially be, you know, uh, our undoing, you know. Yeah, yeah. As a species, you know, particularly for, you know, uh, you know amphibians, for example, you know, they like fresh water, you know, they're, uh, you know, you can use them as a bio indicator. So whether or not, you know, ponds yeah. are polluted or not, if they're polluted, there won't be any amphibians there. If there are, yeah. you, you know, you can be pretty sure they're pretty clean and they tend to like the same kinds of environments that we do. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I don't see the sense in destroying those habitats, particularly if they're in areas where, you know, we rely on those habitats as buffers to help clean, you know, water runoff before it goes, you know, back into our, uh, uh, you know, our drainage systems or, you know, you know, those sorts of examples where, you know, these areas could be worth, you know, billions of pounds in ecosystem services, you know, in terms of, you know, the services they provide us just naturally for free. You know, uh, mm. but, you know, if, if you remove them, then, you know, you've then got to spend, you know, countless thousands, millions of pounds to, you know, to replace that system that was there, yeah. that was that was just working naturally. You know, think of, mm. you know, all of the, the flooding that's happened over the past few years. And a lot of the reason for yeah. that is, is because we've removed the woodlands a, a, along the banks of, of floodplains. And so, you know, that water is no longer you know, the flow is no longer being controlled and it's not being absorbed as quickly by the soil as it was because the soils are being washed away. Uh, and yeah, the other reason, of course, is because we've built one of the floodplains and what happens when a river floods, the floodplain floods. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's one of these things yeah. that I think that, the, you know, as well as a review of, uh, as well as the JNCC looking back at its review and thinking mm-hmm. it's nonsensical, I think there should also be a review looking back how we we build and how we develop you know and live alongside yeah. nature sustainably going forward so that yeah. you know we don't have these challenges and, and problems in the future because you know some of them are easily mm-hmm. solved some of them not so much but mm-hmm. you know this to me is you know a bit worrying in that it could be a sign of a potential ignorant future towards nature yeah. in, in the UK yeah. in that, yeah. you know, we'd no longer see it as a, uh, you know, as a service or mm. an essential, but see it more as a nuisance or a commodity. And in that way, you know, it's yeah. just open to exploitation 
uh, and Absolutely, uh, yeah. further degeneration. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a difficult balance, really, because, like, as you said, like, we do actually, we do need these things. I mean, there's, like, a shortage of housing and, like, a shortage. And so it's a hard, like, balance to, to get right. But, I mean, clearly, I don't know, like, it's surely it can be done without, surely, like, maybe things can be turned into new housing and, like, new developments and stuff that are not so important for wildlife like kind of existing i don't know like derelict buildings and stuff i don't know could be regenerated i know yet mm. yeah i i don't think there's any easy answers i mm. think that you know mm. as i said we mm. need to take a hard look at things and see where we can make improvements mm. uh, yeah yeah a- and you know try to move away from this you know yeah the, mm. this more destructive approach we have and you know more towards mm. you know a regenerative one as, as you've just suggested you know try to redevelop some brownfield sites or, yeah, or areas yeah, exactly. of, of previous development you know yes mm. it's going to cost money to try to you know rid the soils of any pollutants or, or whatever else but yeah, in the long run yeah. you know you're helping to preserve you know vital green habitat so you know isn't that worth yeah. it you know uh, yeah yeah Ho- hopefully yeah, hopefully people will start to value nature as much as we do. Uh, otherwise, yeah, yeah I think yeah. we're going to be in, in a bit of trouble. But, you know, uh, common yeah. sense will hopefully win the day. Yeah, I hope so. I just wondered as well, like, have any politicians, like, either from the Conservative or, like, Labour, well, like, has anyone really spoken up about it? Because I haven't really heard anything about it in, like, the sort of mainstream media. I, I wondered whether there were politicians that, have, that that mentioned it or talked about it. Uh, no, I, I haven't seen any politicians uh, from any political party or background speaking up about mm. this. I did a search the other day uh, when the news, mm. well, just after the news first broke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From from all of the major political parties on Google and Twitter and stuff, and yeah, there mm. was. No one's speaking out about things. Yeah. So someone may have done since and just slipped for the cracks, so I yeah. can't be entirely yeah. sure. But yeah, w- yeah. Well, w- when I looked through this uh, the other day, just before yeah. uh, I-, I recorded the the podcast with Neil for the UK Wildlife Podcast, yeah, I couldn't find, yeah, yeah. I couldn't find anything then. Okay, that I find that really surprising because you know that people are spoken up about other environmental things like hs2 and some of the other um issues so i find that really especially because like as you said like so many charities have now spoken up about it maybe maybe they're wait, wait, waiting for more information or something i don't know uh, I, I, I think so i also think that yeah. this change could potentially be tied to hs2 and you know there's large yeah. landscape scale projects and you know making yeah. them slightly yeah. easier and less costly but yeah, I, I'm going to keep my close eye out, you know, on yeah. people speaking out about this because, you know, it is vitally important. And, mm, mm. you know, I am personally surprised that there haven't been more politicians speaking out, uh, you know, yeah, about this. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if people want to get involved and try to help campaign against this, you know, one of the best ways yeah. to do it, it is mm. to write to your MP, make them aware mm. of the issues, you know, and hopefully, you know, some people will start speaking out. Uh, yeah against yeah. this you know if you need more information on what's going on or a template letter uh yeah the yeah. amphibian reptile groups uk arg uk has a 
you know, has, has everything compiled on their website ready for you to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally contacted my MP about this, yeah. you know, as soon as news broke and I still haven't heard back yet, which is a shame. Uh, but, yeah. you know, I, I guess with everything else going on, they're going to be a little bit overwhelmed. So if you yeah, do, if you do yeah. contact your MP, don't be disheartened if you don't hear back straight away. You know, I guess mm-hmm. they've got enough on yeah. their plate as it is. Uh, yeah, but exactly. I just hope that if enough of them get, you know, a, a high enough volume of emails, you know, in regards to this matter, yeah. then, mm-hmm. you know, they'll start to, to listen up and, and take notice. Obviously, yeah. you know, a lot of MPs, you know, don't have any conservation training, so they may not yeah. be, yeah. you know, yeah. highly or, or, you know, just aware of what's going on. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, it's down to us as, you know, people that work in conservation or, you know, just nature enthusiasts or, mm. you know, mm. whoever you are in society, as long as you care about wildlife, you know, they, they, you know this is, you know, a challenge that you can help take up uh, and yeah. prevent these changes because otherwise those species that you love, you know, may disappear uh, or become, yeah. you know, very, very threatened very quickly. Uh, I think, I think also like with the, some of the, the species that even the ones that are thought to be common, like actually the fact that they're so common can like kind of disguise the fact that there are threats. So like something like the, the two spot ladybird, for example, it, you know, you can still find them, but their numbers have dropped so drastically because of the, the arrival of sort of invasive species. And, you know, if if they say like you know something only has to be on the brink of extinction to be considered, like that's not really pretty soon. You are going to have them on the brink of extinction, or are going to have like some species at least. No, 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 no. I, I, I completely agree. Uh, and yes, mm. you know, I think I think the two spot is a great example because yes, introduced species are having a negative impact on their. Their, yeah. their populations and i can only assume that that's the harlequin that's wreaking havoc there uh, like yeah. it is with a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. other ladybird yeah. species uh yes it is yeah yeah so, yeah no yeah that doesn't surprise me at all uh but, but yeah mm. i think that you know you know a lack of action now means that you mm. know we can have to mm. act more in the future to prevent these species from going extinct which to me is completely nonsensical we should be tightening protections not loosening them otherwise yeah uh you know the, the, these you know, the species could, you know, be lost from all but a very few sites, you know, very quickly. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, a lot of people just aren't aware of, of you know, the potential devastation that this could cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, hopefully through the media campaigns, a number of these uh, organisations uh have led you know through podcasts like this and you know through every other piece of uh you know every other piece of of engagement that that people are generating and creating will help spread the word uh about these you know these changes and the effects they can have on our wildlife uh so yeah Yeah. i I do have hope that you know something positive can come out of all of this you know we're Mm -hmm. seeing lots of people rally together know uh you know to try to to prevent these changes from happening uh so yeah Yeah. my my fingers and toes are crossed until until the end of the review process in october november december time whenever it is uh, and things are finalized to see just what is going to happen yeah to see just what's being proposed and all of that so is there anything else you want to talk about today or 
I, I just want to leave uh, leave everybody with one thing, which is kind of related to what we've been talking about today. And yeah. that is yeah. the, the subject of recording wildlife. Uh, and, you know, okay. obviously a lot of these a lot of these species that, that, you know, may lose their protections are ones that are generally under recorded, particularly when it comes to reptiles yeah. and amphibians, but also some of the other species like the butterflies and, and, and dragonflies and stuff. So mm. if people out there are listening and they want to, you know, do their bit to help the conservation of these animals, then, you know, yeah. Yeah. I would highly recommend that you download an app like iRecord or something like that if you don't yes. already. Uh, yeah. and every time you I go out and you see a species, you mm. record it uh, and, you know, help put some dots on maps. Because, yeah, for, for a number of these species that require... Uh, you know that that regional red list assessment. Yeah, I doubt that there is enough data there to be able to accurately come to a conclusion. Uh, but thankfully, you know, through the collective efforts of the nation and you know a whole host of citizen scientists that I know are just sitting out in the wings there. If you're listening to this, yeah. you know, you're perfect for this. Uh, you know, record everything you see. Even the most common species, you know, that is one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to wildlife recording is that people only tend to record the rarer stuff. So, you know, we've got great records and where all the rare stuff is. But when it comes to the more common and widespread species, uh, yeah, the, the, those records are lacking slightly. So it doesn't matter whether you see, you know, a great crested newt or a common frog or, you know, uh, you know, a very common butterfly species such as, you know, the large white or, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, record everything you see. Okay. Yeah. When I say record everything you see, you know, it probably take you a while to record every single plant you come across, every single in- insect you come across. <laughs> but, you know, work at a frequency that, that you know, that, that works for you. Uh, if, if I went out and, you know, recorded every piece of you know, every blade of grass that I saw was different or every bird that I saw, I probably, you know, take about five steps and have to come home. Uh, but, but, you know, when I went out to, to a nature reserve or the countryside. Uh, so, yeah, uh, still enjoy yourself. But if you, you know, if anything catches your eye, uh, yeah. ensure that, 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 that you record it. Uh, and hopefully I, yeah. that, that data will feed into into some of these, these regional red list assessments. Yeah, because I think... I usually, when I'm like recording, either like I record like too much or, or not at all. So like if I'm going out to like a nature reserve and I see like loads of loads of lady bears that I haven't seen in a while, and then like I, or like let's say I see like one two spot and then like 57 spots, I probably won't record the 57 spots. Like I'll just put oh I saw a two spot because that's like unusual. <laughs> No, 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 of course, yeah. I, I, I'm guilty of doing a similar thing where, where you know, we're now... Mm. This is the other thing as well, is that most people are taxonomically biased. So, you know, I'll see all sorts of cool dragonflies and butterflies when I'm out and about. But, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. tend to record those because I'm just there for the amphibians or reptiles. Yeah. Uh, whereas yeah. now I've started... Well, this was, you know, 18 months ago that I've properly started to record everything that i see because uh, yeah mm. it, it, yeah <laughs> i felt like quite the hypocrite of you know promoting or, or at least trying to get people to record amphibian sightings and then realizing that there was all these other sightings of wildlife that i was you know completely neglecting uh yeah. which reminds me i need to submit some dragonfly records that i've gathered yeah. the past couple of months but that can be a job for the weekend i think also like with things like with 
um, maybe amphibians not so much, but like with dragonflies and bees and things, like you know, sometimes it when the insect is flying around, you can't always doesn't always stop or maybe like it looks maybe like you can't always see how many there are or it's just flying around and around you don't know what it which one it is <laughs> no of course just something that if amphibians were flying around i'd be worried uh but yeah <laughs> and not, not you mean in terms of of, of the identification is that it's not always the easiest even Same with birds as well like, yeah, i don't yeah, always no, know yeah. what, what it is <laughs> yeah. oh no no yeah you hear a noise you see a little brown flash and you're like what the hell was that uh but yes, yeah, yeah. as long as you're certain on the species ID, you know, try to get those records in. I, I mm, think mm. I think on iRecord as well, you can state the certainty of, of, uh, yeah. of how certain you are of the record. So even if you're a little bit uncertain, you can, you know, record that and then get a photo as well if you can. Photos are always helpful for recorders. And then yeah. you know, the people who come along to verify the records can get in touch and ask you any further questions yeah. in case yeah. in case the species that you see seems a bit out of place for the location or the habitat or yeah. whatever yeah, you saw it in. Uh, so yeah, th- th- that is my, the final thing I wanted to discuss was if you want to help nature, get out there and record of it, record as much of it as you can. And hopefully, you know, that will all pay off in terms of the, the conservation of these species in the near future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks so much for coming on to the show and um, talking about these proposals. And I hope oh, you're very that, welcome. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, and I hope that the um, when we get more information, that it sort of becomes more clear of what what's happening and what we can do to stop it. And in the meantime, um, yeah, go on to the ARG um, Amphibian Reptile Group to find out more and um, like find out some resources that you can send to people you know who might be concerned no no definitely yeah i think that you know there, there is still there's still time on our side and collectively we can have a big impact on this it's yeah. just yeah we need to yeah. to work together and hopefully everything will work out for the best mm-hmm. in the end but uh at the moment yeah we, we just got to keep on fighting and, and hope for the best all right then thank you very much all right um you're very welcome thank you Take care, Shall I stop?